Project Sapient is a podcast meant to engage our brothers and sisters in the law enforcement and military communities in conversations that we all know we need to have. All opinions you'll hear are our own, are protected by our First Amendment of the United States Constitution, and in no way reflect or are meant to reflect the opinion of any specific agency, officer, or service member. Some opinions may be controversial. Listener discretion is advised. Enjoy. Good evening, Iman. Pete. How are you, sir? What's up? I always have to ask how you're doing because I never know with you. It might be fucking crazy. It might be fucking cuddly. I, actually, I was, uh, actually, uh, I'll, I'll ramp it up. Just you're you're going to ramp it up? Yeah, just for the fuck of it. You're now, drinking a bang, so yeah, I don't know no, if it's... Like, no, it's oh. Zoa. Oh, Zoa. The, uh, the, Rocks, uh, the Rocks energy drink here. Oh, that's yeah. nice. It's wild orange. Looks good. Guys, Project oh, Safety. Christ, dude, you already get me ramped up. <laughs> We want to say thanks to our supporters. First of all, check out our website, projectsapient.org. Shoot us an email, projectsapient2020 at gmail.com. Thanks to our supporters, DCD Automotive, which is the Bach Group, Till Valhalla Project, AAA Police Supply, HavocJournal.com, our partners at Profiles and Havoc, Second Mission, Live Boston 617, OD Kit, Eagle Eye Firearms, Gun Track, Fit Cops, 22 Mohawks, and Joint Operations. So, I mean, I'm sorry. I, my therapist has been telling me to always apologize for my inactions. So I'm sorry for what I just said to you about your drink. My therapist. <laughs> uh, He's going to fucking kill me. <laughs> uh, my therapist, Dr. McGillicuddy, um, <laughs> always, always tells me to run straight at anything and just <laughs> knock it the fuck down. So I think we have two very different therapists. I like <laughs> If this is my last show, I'm going to miss all of you. <laughs> all right, back to serious shit. All right, serious okay, stuff. Okay. All right. All right. So, today uh so um today we have a special guest. Uh Dexter Pitts. He actually I he came out, actually he emailed us uh after we did the episode uh regarding uh, uh Stephanie Hudson and oh, okay. the whole Portland uh police issue. Fiasco. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't even call it issue, just the debauchery going on over right. there. And uh, he reached out, and um, he's active law enforcement, also a combat vet. Yep. Um, spoke to him a couple times on the phone, hit it off right away. So <laughs> we decided he has his own podcast, too, yep. called uh, I Am Pitts Podcast. Uh, so we figured we'd do like a dual crossover like we do with uh, Havoc. With Havoc, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, so Dexter, you, can you hear us okay? I can. Yes, sir. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Ready Welcome to, to the debauchery. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I got to say something about that energy drink, too. What's How up? dare you drink that drink, the Rocks drink? What? <laughs> what? How dare you? How what? Cops only one. The cops only drink bangs or rings. <laughs> well, no, no. Apparently, he's a transphobe now. Yo. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I saw I the video the other day. I was like, what? I had a bang the other day. I mean, I know I had a bang this morning. Now I'm going mellower. With this, uh, with the, uh, with this guy. So is that what? It's not an energy drink. It's just, it's just like a mood enhancer. Oh no, no, it's an energy. Oh, it is. Drink. <laughs> it, it is not. It only, only has hundred and sixty milligrams. Yeah, that's that nothing. Uh, bank, my, uh, the bank is three hundred. You know, this is this is so I go to bed tonight. <laughs> the guys are whacked, dude. I'm Let's, not gonna lie. I, I've been on the, uh, I've been on those Alani uh, News. Oh really? Oh man, they're delicious. They are. What are those? Know, you. I oh, see. They're like they're smaller cans. Yeah, they got like two hundred milligrams. They're delicious. But there's one, man. I don't know when I start drinking it, I get a little limp wristed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, man. My homeboy, they was like, "Yo, what are you drinking? It's got a pair of like lips on it. Yeah. <laughs> like it looks real feminine." He's You're gonna like, fail your drug test, dude. <laughs> oh, I'm like, man. <laughs> you, you should tell him. Like, I think I'm having a stroke. <laughs> <laughs> So Dex, man, listen. Thank you so much for coming on. I see you got the you got the flag behind you. I am Pitts Podcast. Oh yeah. Tell us a little bit about it, man, or whatever you want to tell us. Go for it. Oh yeah, man. So uh, last year, come uh, March, I started a podcast. I said I've been I've always been a podcast guy, especially on patrol. Yep. You know, you're rolling around. You can listen to something. Started listening to Drinking Bros when they came out. Transitioned to Black Rifle Coffee, and man, and I just all 
love podcasts. I was like, you know what? I should probably start a podcast since I like podcasts so much. Yeah. Like everybody else in the grandma that has a podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, listen, everybody you have, you have little Jenny, there. little Jenny podcast on you about how she makes milk chocolates and you know makes them into a ball. And here you yes. go, and you're like, okay, yeah. everyone does. There's it. She makes eighty three million dollars a yeah, year exactly. doing it. I'm telling you, man. Everybody, dude. Yeah. And all those sponsors y'all got, man. I was like, my god. Yeah. Well, that, that that's just uh, I don't know how that happened. Usually. I think again. Whenever I drink whiskey, I send emails out. And <laughs> just shit happens. I'm doing that now. <laughs> there, there, you there you go. There you go. Maker's mark. There you go, man. I like it. You know what's funny is that every time we do an episode, somebody's drinking something, and I'm the only one that's never drinking. Well, that's your fault. Why? Are you, that's your are fault. You a real cop? No. <laughs> He plays. I cop. pretend. Yeah, he plays cop. <laughs> I'm an accountant. Nobody knows. I, pl- I pretend to be a cop too. I'm on an extended Halloween. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. So you also you also got a book. Tell us yeah. a little bit about the book. I mean, we have a lot of listeners. We want them to go out and buy the book. Where can they get it? Tell us about it. Oh, so the book is I Am Pitt's Memoirs of an American Patriot. So the book is my life story. And before everybody, oh, well, nobody cares, but. Here's my, it's been a long 30, 37 years, people. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it covers me growing up in the military, but also it, me being growing up black and being dark skinned and how I was treated by other black people for being so dark skinned and how I was traumatized and terrorized for it. Then I just go into joining the military after 9-11, going to boot camp, uh, going to Iraq and getting blown up, my recovery in Walter Reed. Getting out of the army and going through those whole range of emotions, trying to figure your life out. Yeah. Getting married with the first marriage, the first divorce, second marriage, second divorce. Listen, you're, you're a cop. Hey, yeah, you're a cop. Military cop. Prove it. That's the way. Yeah, you're a true vet. That's the way it yep. is. Don't don't feel alone out there, y'all. Not alone. I'm on number three. <laughs> One for each decade. Yeah, yeah. I have but a yeah, dog yeah. now. <laughs> You know, and, and I also go in the, the book, also go into how when I was a rookie officer, I got a call about my mother being shot Ooh. while I was at what? work. And it turns out, yeah, yeah, she was a, a victim of domestic violence with my father after 28 years of marriage. And I was on my first detail after my first phase of training. I'm at the hospital and by my mother in her uniform and she shot herself Oof. and I took her off of life support. <sighs> and I go through all that whole gambit of emotions with that. You know, my life is falling apart and I don't have the courage to kill myself. So I was in the perfect line of work for somebody else to do it for me. So I got real reckless at work. Yeah. But uh, one late, one of our homicide, our, my sergeant, he's a former homicide officer has one leg stepped in, intervened, saved my life. I turned my life around, get married again for the third time. And this time it actually works. Then I felt called to join the border patrol. Cause I still wanted to serve. I go down to the border for a year working on the border. Then lo and behold, the riots in Louisville break out and I decide, it's time to bring my ass back home yeah. and get into the craziness. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, this is the show. I think we wrapped up everything. That yeah, we let's turn that music back on. <laughs> Good night, ladies. <laughs> Good night, boss. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, no, just, just so, wow. I mean, it, it, so what history right there, right? Yeah. So when did you first go into the military? You said, I know you said after 9-11, I'm one of the, you know, one of the post 9-11 guys. Uh, was it immediately after or? No, it wasn't immediately. So uh, 9-11, I was, uh, I believe I was a junior. Okay. So, uh, I mean, the, the, what really got me was the movie Black Hawk Down, which came out right that following October. Yeah. I was like, oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Sign me up, man. But my dumb ass. Didn't get enough high on scoring to have that. Lo and behold, why I joined the infantry with a yeah. machine gunner. So yeah, I just I go to I joined up uh, August 2003, go to boot camp, and yep. then I'm in Iraq by June of 2004. Quick yeah. ramp up, man! Right in the thick oh, of it. Yeah. yeah. Oh wow. Where where uh, where? Actually, you know what? I'm getting way too far ahead. I wanted to first uh, go to your childhood about the way you grew up. You said uh-huh. you know how you were you know dark skinned uh, a black man a uh, black kid, but because of your skin color, you were still you were still hounded by other black men. Oh yeah, well, well, the leader of the crew was a female. Okay, all right. So, <laughs> so that explains how. So, yeah. So, so <laughs> let's get ruthless. into that uh, because actually, yeah, uh, maybe that's why I need that paper to 
<laughs> keep me on track. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, no. So, so tell me how, about how that was like, like growing up in that environment. So it's so weird, man. My family's from Mississippi, but I was brought up in the military. So okay. growing up in the military, you know how it is, man. Everybody's all different nationalities. Yeah, yeah, don't matter. Don't, none of that ever mattered yeah, until no. my dad retired and we moved to Radcliffe. Yeah. And I started going to public school. And I remember seeing these black kids on the back of the bus. Like, oh, man, we all going to be friends. Yeah. Uh, the next thing you know, they started in on me, man, with the jokes. And uh, I remember one of the names they used to call me was uh, Half Past Midnight. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Look at his eyes. <laughs> oh, Holy that, shit. Hey, that, hey, that was a light day. Kingsford. Oh, uh, 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 yeah. It, it got, it. <laughs> oh, man. So you got into yeah. a lot of fights. No, <laughs> oh, man. I was, I was a little punk when I was terrified, man. And I was yeah. outnumbered. And I was bigger than everybody. Yeah. That was wow. the crazy part, dude. So I literally, I tell people, literally, I am the guy that was bullied and became a cop. But see, I did it because I don't like seeing other people take advantage of other right. people and hurt yeah. other people. Yeah. But wow. I remember what it was like to be the guy that's too afraid to stand up for yourself. How, how old were you at the time? Oh, my God. I was two, six. Uh, that was seventh grade. So about... Yeah, so I guess thirteen, maybe. 12, yeah, 13, so that makes sense. Like that. You know, life, life in the military. You were, were you were born while your dad was serving. Yep, Fort Knox, Kentucky. Oh, Jesus! Yeah, <laughs> okay. I know. Tank mechanics kid, man. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, okay, so for, so so you went to school on base. Everything was on base because you know. You uh, no, no, then, no. Or, he retired. He retired. He, okay, yeah, he retired. Okay. Yeah, and then I went to the public school, North Harden High School, and that's where. That's when you realized how shitty fucking civilians are. I'm telling you, I got on the bus. I was like, welcome to the jungle. <laughs> wow. Oh, my God, man. Okay, so. Yeah, man, it, 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 it traumatized me for years. I mean, I used, I tried to bleach my skin when I was younger. Really? Yeah, yeah, man. Because and of the other kids. Yeah, well, and this is what I tell people. You have to read the book, but my right. mother was teaching me to bleach my skin because she, growing up in Mississippi, the whole colorism thing is a real big thing in the black community, but nobody ever talks about it because it's a it's one of them ugly Taboo. things within. Yeah, but it's it's one of them things, man. <clears throat> so growing up for her, her life was harder because she was dark skinned. The dark skinned girls were treated different than the light skinned girls. So over the years, you know, I remember looking at my mom's pictures like she's lighter yeah. or darker in her pictures, yo. And I was like, how? And yeah. I remember she took me to Walmart and showed me that black and white bleaching cream, and I started using it, yeah. thinking, oh, all my troubles over. I'm gonna be light skinned you know. Yeah, but yeah. I actually, I stopped using it, man. And I just kind of went on my life. But you know, it's it's funny. It came to mind, and sorry to cut you off, but it came to mind. Fine, brother. It, I never really realized how big of an issue that could be with all kinds of cultures, right? So mm. I, it just came to mind. I had seen a documentary maybe two, three months ago. Mm. Um, it was Indian and Pakistani yeah. folks. And the biggest thing, it was like a Bollywood documentary, yeah. Yeah, right? Okay. <clears throat> the biggest th thing over in those cultures was the same thing, trying to like bleach their skin. Yeah. trying to be, And they're not quote unquote black per se. They're dark like me dark, and yeah. I'm in, and you know what I mean? And they're trying to bleach their skin. And I'm like, why the fuck are you people trying to bleach your skin? Like there's some pretty like women and stuff. You're like, Oh my God, like yeah. pretty girl and this and that. Why is she trying to bleach your skin? Like it didn't click to me. Well, it's within the culture. But now yeah. hearing Dex yeah. talking about, I never would have thought that that was an issue here in the States. Oh, never would have thought yeah, that that absolutely. was an issue. Yes. Man, you see Sammy Sosa. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow, man. Wow. First, I, I gotta say, do you think that that's still an issue now? For me, no, because like I said, I've grown to a level where my self confidence is. Doesn't I don't matter. care. I'll make jokes about myself all day. I right. just at this point, I really don't care. But, but one of my podcast episodes, I was telling people, you know, when the whole Black Lives Matter thing kicked off and talking about how you know evil the police are, I was like, and how evil racist white people are. I was like, I don't have to worry about that for my kids. Yeah, I was like, I worry about my daughter because she has dark skin how she's gonna be treated by other black people for having dark skin so that was my next question is it is it is it prevalent now with kids oh, growing up too oh absolutely it's oh yeah it's real oh, it's yeah that it ain't going nowhere man yeah. wow <laughs> it is not going anywhere that's kind of concerning i tell, people, I tell wow. people you know like slavery and stuff is over but there are still residual effects from that stuff that lingers, man. Yeah. And yeah. all that stuff, that stuff, that's trauma that's been passed down from generation to generation. 
Yeah, it, it, the, the the bleaching of the skin, you mean, uh, the, the, that sort of trauma. That oh, yeah, continued. all that, man. I think there's a rapper they were talking about that's uh, getting ready to bleach his skin. I, yeah. I don't listen to that. I think his name's like Little Uzi Vert or something. <laughs> My concern was, I was like, is he still going to be able to use the N-word once you relinquish <laughs> your skin color? <laughs> no, or does I, he get canceled? I, I, yeah. I, actually, I, I was watching the comedy show. Uh, I don't know if you ever heard of this comedian, Josh Wolf. No. Oh, he's hilarious. So... Oh, was it Joshua? No, it wasn't Joshua. It was a different comedian. But he actually had an albino black guy in, in the in the audience. An albino black guy. My yeah, mind is I crying. know who you're talking about. You know, I, I forget the guy's name. Christ, keep, keep talking. And, I'll find and it. He, and he had the guy say the N-word. And he said it like he said it like he's from the hood. And the dude's like, my mind's blown. He's like, well, <laughs> what the fuck's going on right now? Like, you know, like just really, <laughs> really threw him off. But but yeah, so, the, the, dude, that's, <laughs> dude, I'll call you fucked up. But uh, but here's the thing. So, 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 man, yeah. You, so, so when I grew up, I'm just thinking like, you know. When Andrew I, Schultz. Yes, Andrew, Andrew Schultz. Schultz. Yeah, okay. Andrew we'll Schultz. Have to go look that up. You got to look that oh, up. Oh, dude, he's, don't listen to him with like friends and family oh, no, around. No, no, no. Hey, he is not. PC, no filter. He just my lets type it of guy. Rip. Yeah, he oh, just yeah. lets awesome. it rip. Let's it rip. Uh, yeah. So um, I cut you off. It's okay. So my so, therapist has told me again to apologize for when I do I cut people you? off. You're lucky I don't have an appointment with Doctor McGillicuddy <laughs> earlier today. So every you, time you, you do, I see his legs start shaking. I know. You're like, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so I remember just me growing up. Um, you know, uh, depending on the summer, some summers I get really dark and, uh, like right now I'm, you know, white, light skinned and, uh, and I would get mixed up between whether I'm black, Hispanic, you know, uh, whatever culture someone wants to throw at me, you know, uh, whatever racial slur they used to throw at me, but it wasn't, <laughs> but like you said, it wasn't as much with the white community. It was more on our own, you know, growing up like yeah. in middle school and shit like that. It wasn't like it was, it was, it, it, you know, like now I'm rethinking like the way I grew up and how it was. Even within like the uh, Middle Eastern culture, if you're darker, you're considered black, you know? So, yeah. so, so, so you get made fun of because of how dark you are. Because out, out in the Middle East, I don't know if people realize that slavery is still a thing. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. try to tell people here in America, yeah. but nobody wants to listen. Yeah, I, I don't know if people realize it. brothers over and in the Middle exactly. East. Exactly. That is a real thing, people. <laughs> slavery is still alive and well in the Middle East. I heard Sec they took good deals on Amazon. But. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you get this guy. Oh, look at this. Fresh from Uganda. <laughs> but that's the thing. Like, people don't realize it. But so if you get lumped into a certain group, if you're a dark-skinned man or even dark-skinned woman in the Middle East, you will, you will get treated differently right away. You know, and, and, and people just don't see it. And, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah, that that's 100% right. Because the culture, people within the culture are more dangerous than anybody else. And it, it, it brings me back to, like, the law enforcement culture, right? Within, we fucking, we hate ourselves. Like, you know, backstabbing, oh, all that bullshit oh, yeah. that goes on, you know? So that's why we're like, dude, I'd rather deal with the asshole out on the street than these assholes in oh, the fucking man. building, dude, you know? Oh, yeah, because we are ruthless. Oh, yeah. Own, yeah, <laughs> yeah, dude. It, it's fucking <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> but uh, but growing up in, in that environment, here's the thing, like I always say, like, I never grew up blaming the white man for whatever, right? If I ran into a couple races, hey, whatever, it's not going to, it's not, yeah, I, I'll get bummed, but then whatever, you know, shrug it off and go. And then when I realized that I can actually knock people out, it, it started it changing. <laughs> right. Yep. It started right. changing. Right? You, uh, it was right after my first fight ever. Fucking when I was a, when I was in middle school, knocked the motherfucker out like that. And I'm like, huh? All right. All right. right. You know? And then, and then word spreads in the school. Hey, don't fuck with I'm like, he's right. He fucking one punch. He knocked this dude out, you know? Yes. So, yep. so, so you, your confidence built and everything. But, but as, like I said, as I was growing up, I never blamed anybody, you know, because I, it was, it was always up to me to do something about it. Not anybody else. I'm not. I'm not waiting for a teacher or social service, whatever. No, I. I want it. I took care of it. I'm good to go now, and that's it. Move on and and follow through with your life. And it sounds like you did the same thing. You just like you know what? Fucking enough's enough. Time to fucking move on. Yeah. Well, you know, it wasn't that easy for me. I tell a lot of people, man. I actually went pretty extreme far left. 
mm. after I got out of the military because I got married to can't say her name, but it's in the book. But she's, <laughs> yeah. a, she's the daughter of a very, 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 very powerful, influ- influential person yeah. here in the city I used to live in. You know? And so I remember we we're all sitting around like Barack Obama was running for president. And they were like, no, they're tired. The fans were talking about who they were voting for. And who you vote for? I was like, I don't know yet. Like, what do you what mean? Do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was like, because I had been in school. I started studying African-American history. And I was like learning the true history of America with yeah. like the Democrats and how they're the party of slavery. I was like, yeah. why would I vote? That don't make sense. Why would I vote for a Democrat when they started slavery? And I just figured all this stuff out. Yo, but they're like, you're a black man. You're not voting for a black man. I was like, I didn't know I was supposed to, but oh, since you say so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow. You know, I, I was, was kind of strong armed into it. You know, so I was like, no, but man, I went real far left. So at, in uh, 2007, after I got hurt in Iraq and I did a movie with Spike Lee. Well, I was on a documentary, HBO documentary with James Gandolfini. Oh, a lot okay. of memories home from Iraq. Okay. From there, James Gandolfini got me in touch with Spike Lee. Okay. And I went with Spike Lee to Italy to shoot the movie Miracle at St. Anna. Oh, cool. And this was the first time I've been around like strong, positive black people that taught me not to hate myself, but to love my skin color. And I was, oh man, I went all in. Yeah. And I tell everybody, the, the biggest thing you face when you get out of the military is trying to find that tribe like the dude you was with you served with, man. And I was looking for it, couldn't find it, couldn't find it. Then all of a sudden, here it is, like black excellence and black power, man. I dove in head first. I started studying African-American history, just learning everything I could. And I just got so empowered by it. But I started becoming the victim and it was everything was the white man's fault. Mm-hmm. I went down that road hard, yeah, hard. Yeah. But it took me going through a lot of crap to realize, you know, your life sucks because you suck. It ain't really <laughs> well, got nothing to do with the white man. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's, that's what I mean, because we internalize so much, right? Inter- and, and that's all we see. Right. We'll end up seeing, oh, it's the white man did everything. White man did everything. White man did everything. And then everything sucks because that's all you see in your life. I mean, look at it as a cop. Right. We deal with five percent of the population who are the worst of the worst. That's just the way it is. But then we deal with it for so long in our career where everyone sucks. But in reality, in reality, you know, most people are good, decent people. I don't agree with that. Except for that 5%. (laughs) Hey, talk to your therapist, all right? See, Dr. McGillicuddy is doing much better with me, all right? I need the number. (laughs) You need his therapist. Everybody needs his therapist. Somebody's failing me here. (laughs) So so here's the thing. There's there's certainly a lot more good out there, right? So that's kind of the mentality that that, that I ended up uh, shaping that, you know what, there's a lot more good out there, especially when I went into the military, like my eyes really open because in the military, what's the first thing they tell you? What does everybody bleed? Red. We're all bleeding the same blood. We all bleeding the same blood. We're all green and equally worthless. Exactly. That was the first thing. While while we're getting smoked, fucking on the on the on the, you know, I went to Fort Sill for basic. So while we we're getting fucking smoked, that's all you kept hearing. I don't give a fuck about any of you. I don't care this. I don't care that. And all y'all motherfuckers are green now, but, 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 you know, so they really hit it home. And the reality of it is, you know, when I was sitting in the cattle car, literally, did you get the cattle car experience? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, You know, they don't do that anymore, apparently. I didn't know this, but I got the cattle car treatment. It's legit cattle cars, right? And, And they stuff you as much as possible into these fucking things. And I look around me and I'm like, dude, there's Asians, Hispanics, black, white, everybody together. Everybody experiencing the same anxieties, the same triumphs, you know, confidence, you know, you're building each other up. It, it just happens. You know, that's just human nature. And it's organic, too. It is very organic. You don't organic. have to force it, man. No, you know, it, it just the, happens. The one thing I hate, like, hate going to boot camp, you know, all my dad's friends were built to, hey, just got to blend in. Be the gray man. Be the gray man. Don't stick out. Just be the, don't finish first. Don't finish last. Be in the middle. I get there. I'm like, I'm in the infantry. Ain't no brothers in the infantry, man. I was like one, <laughs> one of three or four black guys, and I was out, and I was a fat body. I was like, oh, oh god, you oh, they had right me away from day one. Well, well, for me, they had me because they knew I was uh, from the, you know, my family's from the Middle East, so they had me picked out right away. They didn't, even, they never knew my name till like towards the end because they always what, called what me, they call you? oh, Ahmed Hussein, <laughs> Muhammad, like <laughs> they pick whatever name of the day. That, that's, that's hey, Saddam, oh, yeah, come over here. 
Exactly. <laughs> Can you imagine that going on these days? Oh, dude. Oh, it, you know it doesn't. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure it oh, doesn't. <laughs> oh, my God. Holy shit. Today, holy fuck. You get... Imagine. The, the, oh. the, the Karens of the world will show up at the drill, the drill sergeant's door. <laughs> I had an instructor that when he found out I was Greek, yeah. would bring an empty pizza box every day. Every day would bring an empty pizza box because Greeks in my area are known for their pizza places. Yeah. Every Greek, my dad had a pizza place. My mom had a pizza place. Yeah. So this guy, he wouldn't say a word to me. There was no yelling. This one instructor, there was no yelling. There was no nothing. And he'd bring in a pizza box and he'd walk right by me and be like, you want some? <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> Could you imagine something like that going on these days? Oh, It'd be like, like, what year did y'all go in? I'm talking about the police academy. I did it in, oh, that was in 2001. Academy. Oh, yeah, no, I went, oh, I went, I went, I went uh, September 2002 to Fort Sill. Oh, that's, that's when I went. I was, uh, yeah, no, oh, oh yo, man. back, you know, my, my drill sergeants, man, they were the most sadistic motherfuckers I've ever met in my life. And I don't think half of what they did back then would fly today with the type of shit. Oh, half. man. Yo, half, dude, so I sent my drill sergeant, I mentioned him in my book. Yeah. I sent him the chapter I wrote on me being a boot camp. He was like, yo. Hey, I know I did all that, but I need you to take all that out. <laughs> please, please. <laughs> That's the thing, though. Like, oh. like to me, like you know, every time you hear like, oh. Private got fucking hazed. I'm like, yeah, that's not that's that's not hazing. What they're doing is they're breaking the motherfucking, you know, the mental blocks. Yeah. They're trying to get rid of it so that way you it's have that confidence. There's there's a method to the madness, you know, and. Uh, and well, it's all the fucking Karens of the world that are. Oh my poor baby, he's crying. Like uh, he'll get over it. Don't worry about it. He's good. But but again, so so you know that that was my experience in the military. It's just we're all the same. Everyone's the same. It doesn't matter. You know, we, we love each other. We look out for each other, and that's it. You know, and it it really and it really really hits when you deploy to war. Because oh, God, God yeah. damn. Different ball game at that point. <laughs> because God damn, when that bullet flies by your head or the IED goes off or the ambush, whatever, it don't fucking matter. It's not looking for the white guy. It's not looking no. for the black guy. It's no. fucking hitting anybody. Yes. Anyone, any, anyone yes. with a U.S. Uh, anyone with a U.S. fucking, well, they didn't even care if it was U.S. military. They just wanted people to die. You know? Man, I tell everybody, when I was laying on the ground after I got hit by the IED on January 2nd of 2005 and I came to, I did not care. What color anybody was, especially <laughs> when you're facing death. I was like, somebody, anybody, please, for the love of God, yeah. help me. <laughs> Aliens, please fucking come down anybody. and help me. <laughs> yeah, no, but but that's the thing, though. Like, you know, in combat, uh, it's, it's true because, like you said, though, after that experience going through war, combat, you come back, and then now you, you want to reconnect with that tribe, right? So I think it was Sebastian Junger. Sebastian Junger? Yeah, Sebastian Junger's book, The Tribe, he he hit on those uh, parts of the veteran community after war to reconnect with the tribe. So right? is that why, is he trying to say that that's why they've a lot have flocked to law enforcement? Yeah, flocked okay. to law enforcement. Oh, I absolutely believe flocked, that. Yeah, flocked to uh, uh, more yeah, public service and stuff like right. that. And not just flocked like that, but also flocked to each other. Okay. That's why, like, when we go out to bars, whatever, I can only hang out with my fellow vets. You know, that's just the way. Or, or at this point, cops, cops, and or vets. You know, because we understand each other, and that's right. just the way it is. You know, where Jesus, I, I remember. I think I told you over Veterans Day, uh, we went to a local bar. It was a bunch of us vets, and the people in the bar were horrified. <laughs> yeah, you had you had you had about. 15, 16 veterans in this fucking place. We're all fucking boys and a mix of cops who are also combat vets. We're all there. And, uh, and debauchery. Yo, dude, they oh, were horrified. Man. Absolutely horrified. And fuck, I'll never forget this two, this couple walk in total prep. This, this, this fucking dude had his sweater fucking tied off like this, like, you know, across, across his sh shoulders, you the know, American Eagle. Yeah. 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 And he says, oh. there was a lady and they order white wine and they're sitting directly across <laughs> from us. 
and holy honey, shit. honey, don't look at them. Oh, don't no, look no. at them. Literally, don't it was like that. They were so uncomfortable, and I was like, and I was like, and oh, and then you know, us being asshole, we ramped it up a little more because you knew. We knew. Well, we we knew right away because we're like we're like look at them fucking judging us right now. I bet you they think. And I don't think we were quiet because we were pretty toasted by then. I bet you they think we're a bunch of fucking savages. And one of them is actually a neurological doctor. Like he's not even a guy. He's, he's a combat vet, but he's a neurological doctor. He's like, yeah. Well, little do they know that I'm a neurological doctor. <laughs> like, dude, like, I'm like, oh, dude, it was, dude, they ended up leaving like shortly, but, but we ended up having to leave the bar because me and uh, another veteran decided we needed to wrestle real quick because, you know, both of us are pretty good, si- pretty good size guys and he wanted to test the speed. So we're like, all right, let's do it. Is that, is that why you invited me that day? Yes. <laughs> I need, listen, I, I needed somebody. The Greco-Roman. Who, yeah, yeah, I needed, I needed. It was, it was going to be like the Roman versus the Spartan versus the Phoenician type shit. You know, we were going to do like this, this intertwine of the tribes. Oh, yeah, man. Exactly, exactly. So <laughs> I think we completely digress, but that's okay. Oh, yeah. We've uh, gone from race yeah. to fucking drinking. That's, that's the whole thing. With the, hey, listen, it all ties together, though, yeah. on, 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 exactly, all part of that culture that it doesn't matter, you know, and, and, and that's one thing, you know, we, we, like you said uh, uh, in your email, that we as uh, law enforcement veterans, we need to speak up and have people realize that our culture is our culture. You know, we've seen shit, done shit. It is what it, you know, we are who we are and, and where we protect, we uh, save the you know lives. We do what we have to do. And when the cancel culture loves rearing its heads every time you see uh, uh, some sort of cop pushes another dude and all of a sudden it turns into holy shit, fucking excessive force, this, that, the other. And you're like, well, time out. Like, let's, let's really break it down, you know? And, and there's so much, I mean, I don't, as a profession, I'm going to shift now to, to law enforcement. Uh, as a profession, I've always said from the beginning, it's our own fault because we're such an insulated profession. Don't talk to me. You know, fucking leave me alone. Oh, you had this use of force incident. News jumps all over it. Everyone jumps all over it. But out of the administration, nothing. That is the biggest problem. We do not jump on or put our narrative out there first. Exactly. Let everybody's imaginations run wild. And the whole racism bit comes in, you know, then it just goes off the rails. So is that once it's gone? Oh, yeah. Is that why we've been seeing, or at least I've been seeing, an influx of departments? If, let's say there's an officer involved shooting or something. Yeah. There, I've seen that some departments are really quick to put the body cam footage oh, out. Oh, yeah. So, Commissioner Gross of Boston, he was one of the first ones to start doing it right away. Yeah. He, because he knew he needed to get a, ahead, ahead of, of the narrative. Yeah. Which... I 100%. You know how much I... We, we love Commissioner Gross. Right. Um, uh, have you heard of him, Dex? Uh, when I started listening to the show and how badass, of he, how badass he was during the protest, yeah. I was like, I like that guy. Yeah. He, and, and let me tell you, he was probably... I've known him my entire career. He was one of the old school black cops. Nothing had to do with race. It was always about people's attitudes. It was always about protecting the blue. I didn't know. His brothers... You know what I mean? Like real brotherhood. It, it, the man was just, I hope he listens to the show. He's retired now, and I'm sure he's making a lot of money consulting and shit. Oh, yeah. Happy yeah, Black yeah. History Month, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, well, that's the thing, though. Him as a commissioner, he's, he's, he's black. I mean, one of the best, best interviews I've ever At the time, he was a captain, and you had Black Lives Matter outside because that was, I believe, the night of the day uh, Officer Moynihan got shot in the face. Yeah. And yeah. the guy got got killed yeah uh Moynihan, good i actually met him uh recently uh fucking phenomenal guy but uh, i remember uh, com- uh at the time he was captain gross he was across the uh yellow tape addressing the black lives matter uh crew out there you know trying to instigate do whatever and he was on on camera you know the the news were you know wanting to catch the footage let's see what he's gonna do what he's gonna say you know i'm sure they're trying they were trying to spin up this whole oh black cop black community let's see how it goes you know and uh and he's explaining to them you know what happened and all that and they're like well uh, did you have to kill him well he's like well the officer got shot in the face i mean you know what do you think was gonna happen oh no no here's here's the next question this kid asked him 
but aren't you guys trained for that? And at the time, Captain Gross yes. looks at him, and he's like, trained for what? Being shot in the face? And then he walked away from him. He turned around. He's like, you know what? I'm done talking to you. And, and that's, he that was his attitude. And that, that was, was his attitude. attitude. And that's that what, exactly, exactly what because attitude. he knew that's what you have to do is not entertain them. So when, when Boston got the body cams and, and actually even before the body cams, um, he right away implemented, uh, whether it was a policy or something, all the community leaders right away come to his office to watch the footage. Yep. And then collectively, they put out a statement. Or do a press conference or right away. Pre- or do a press conference right away with the community leaders right behind them yep. saying, yes, that's a, that was a justified shooting. We watched the video. More will come out at a later time. That way it ends it. See, no questions asked. Why is that replicated across the country? Exactly. You know why? Because it doesn't make money. But yeah, well, the, uh, yeah. There's only money to be made in chaos and separation, man. Exactly. And trust these companies. I tell all the politicians. Oh, politicians. Black yo. Lives Matter. All these people... I tell, the last two years has all been about clout and getting money. I was like, you would see these Black Lives Matter guys. Uh, they would show up the next day after something, and they had like a brand new car. Or they oh, yeah. spray paint their cash app right. on the side of their car. Yeah. Yeah. Was, well, well, how many got <laughs> indicted? How many got indicted now because they used the money to get, get brand new houses and, and whatever else they did? I, I've been seeing news reports here and there. Some of the leaders of Black Lives Matter uh, getting in trouble now. For really? using, yeah, for using the money yeah. for uh, to buy like these McMansions or whatever. Is, it, they, is, is that the uh, the main leader? Because I know yeah, the main like, yeah the main leader really? yeah the main leader yeah. Good. That, that, see, that's why I stopped being real proactive at work because it's the biggest thing for me has been, especially here in Louisville, seeing this city almost burned down. Yeah. And I remember it was right during the Breonna Taylor at the verdict, and they decided they weren't going to charge the officers with her death. We arrested a big time political figure here in Kentucky and another lady I actually put the handcuffs on one of them. And as soon as I saw her, I was like, all oh, this is going nowhere. Yeah. Everything got dropped. People involved in the riots here. Most of the charges were dropped. And now they're like, now that all the, everything's kind of calmed down. They're like, Hey, we need you to get back out there and be proactive and start stopping people. I was like, so you want me to go start stopping, harassing citizens going about their everyday lives and make a minor infraction and then take money out of their pocket, put it in the hands of the government that didn't protect them in the first place. I was like, I don't think so. Yeah, but we, but we're yeah, yeah, yeah and but, you dropped all the charges on the people that were yeah. actually doing well, stupid shit. Uh, that's the thing with Stephanie Hudson when she said yep. uh, over a thousand arrests they had in Portland, and only maybe ten percent of them actually got any any charges uh, pushed forward. Imagine that over a thousand arrests, only ten percent actually got charged. <laughs> we've gotten we've gotten soft. We've well, gotten yeah, soft as a society. We've yep. gotten soft as in policing. You know, because at the end of the day, you know, people are talking about, you know, revolutions and civil wars and all this stuff. And if if people really wanted that shit to happen, how many veterans would come out of the fucking oh, woodwork? Oh, how yo. many cops they would fucking come out of the woodwork? You don't want that. They don't have the stomach for it. But no. the difference is they do, the, the public, the people, the assholes that are that that are profiting over rhetoric like that and soapboxing over rhetoric like that don't understand it because the veterans aren't coming out. The cops aren't coming out. That's what I'm trying to say. Nobody's saying anything. Everybody's scared to say anything because of their paycheck. And I was like, I completely understand. I tell people I'm in a little different boat, yo, because I can afford to lose my job because I'm strictly uh, pretty much I'm retired. I don't have to work with my benefits from the Army and the VA. I don't have to. I do this job because I want to. Right. You know, and also I'm not afraid to speak out. So I understand why guys are, but I'm like, the less we say, the more they do and get away with. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, I like, like I told Stephanie and and I and and actually a couple guests and even in my writings with Havoc, I said, you know, there's more of us on the ground, boots on the ground, cops, the everyday cop who's actually doing the fucking job, right? You know, I've 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 done this uh, analogy all the time. The eighty twenty split. Eighty percent, I was just there uh, as cops, just just to pick up overtime, just paycheck. for a paycheck, and and that's about it. Twenty percent are actually doing the work. Right, are actually out there. They're not going for minor civil infractions. They might pull somebody over for a minor, uh, you know, civil infraction. But guess what? They just got three and a half kilos and a, and a fucking a AK out of a car. You know that that's those are the real workers, and it's up to us, the twenty percent, the real workers, to to be the ones who talk. Because the twenty percent, here's the the twenty percent, which I know how we are. We're the quiet professionals. We don't we don't give a fuck. We don't want the attention. We just want to just leave us alone. Let us work. Let me do my job. Let me do my job. I'll fucking figure it out. And and one thing I fucking have always hated is 
when you know some some shit's going down or tactical we'll call it, tactical situations going down and you arrive on scene and you get a, a supervisor who's probably only been on the job three years that you've been on the job 15 to 20 years and you have hey you know we need to do perimeter whatever whatever he's like no 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 i'm i'm in charge now this is what I'm like. Oh, here we go. This is gonna turn into a fucking That's shit like the show. Opposite of leadership. Contest, yeah, exactly. You know, but it happens. It happens, right? And 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 that's the thing, though. Us on the ground, we know this shit. That's why we need to talk about it. That's why I talk about it in my writing. That's why I talk about it on the podcast. That's why I'm I'm vocal. You know, uh, I don't give a fuck. Like like you said, with me, yeah, I get I got my uh, shit ton of benefits from the VA. You know, my wife, my wife does pretty good, uh, uh, you know, makes pretty good money. I, I don't, I really don't need the job, but you know what? I want to do it because that's the big difference. You know, the love, big for, difference. The, the, the love for my fellow, uh, uh, law enforcement officers, the love for my fellow combat vets that are on the job, you know, it, it's, it's truly a, an honorable profession, right? It's a profession of extreme integrity and honor, but these politicians that are vilifying it, because they have their own agenda to make money off it. They know they can make money off it. You know, every election year, let's, you know, every couple of years, every four years, the election years, right? Yeah, exactly. They, they, where do they go? Where will they go? They will go to certain parts of the city purposely to get those. We're going to do police reform. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Meanwhile, they're going to get your reparations as exactly, well. Exactly. Yeah, every yeah. couple of years. Me meanwhile, they're, they're doing these, these rallies in gangland neighborhood that could give a flying fuck about them. Yeah, exactly. You know, and they're not going to change the neighborhood for them. They just want the votes. That's all it's ever been about. So we got a guy here, one of our Metro, our council members, he's got this new thing where he wants to take money from the districts to pay for bail reform, to pay uh, guys bail to get them out of jail. Nice. I'm like, so these, I was like, do you not see the homicide numbers we have in this city? Jesus. We just broke the January record here in Louisville. We had, I believe it was 18 or 19 homicides in January. In That's January? Record. January. Wow. Yeah, we knew. Last year we had 188, 89 homicides. When I started in 2010, we get like 30, 40, 50, 60. I never thought I'd see uh, almost 200 bodies here in the city. And it's just every wow. day. Wow. And I can't even keep up anymore. You hear about the shooting last night? I'm like, bro, I, I have no clue. Which man. one? Yeah. yeah, which, which one? one well. You know? And the thing is, if you don't get it controlled here, it's starting to bleed out into the nicer areas of the county. Yep. Well, it is. It's like I say, if your neighbor's house is on fire, you better be concerned. Yeah. So now these young cats, like I said, we we got rid of our juvenile jail. <laughs> when I came back from the border patrol, I was getting ready to take a kid to the jail. They're like, where are you going? I was like, taking the JC Wasi. Yeah. Like that's not there. I'm like, not there. Why they get rid of the juvenile jail? To save money. And now these kids, man, they are running amok. I mean, they are doing all the killings and shootings. I mean, last year we had a girl, she was little, there was a hit on this girl. 16, I remember seeing the news story, she was a basketball player, and I remember my buddies that made the scene was like, bro, they hit her with the chop. They, they were after her. Yeah, and it's just, and it, the thing is, we just had a shooting here at a bus stop a couple months ago. We had one of the kids, he got shot and killed at the bus stop. His buddy, who I, me, and my, me and my partner were working on, he was shot in the arm. We're sitting there talking to him. He just turned 16. He was like, this is the second time I've been shot. I'm like, <laughs> God damn, man. How are yeah. you a combat veteran in your neighborhood? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, where where do you think these kids, how do you think these kids are going to grow out of this shit? Yeah. If this is all that they know and they're being abandoned, their that's their, well, that's that, that was my point. My point is a lot of these politicians, right? Some may have good intentions when they come into these things. Yeah. Right. A lot of them don't live in reality. No, they don't. A lot of, dude, even communism, yeah. in theory, works. Yeah. In reality, it's the stupidest fucking thing <laughs> on the planet. Yeah. Right? Well, the, well, the thing is, though, they, they forget human nature. Exactly. Well, that's they, lack they of imagination yeah. and no human nature. They don't take yeah. it into account. So, again, yeah. all this fruity fucking, yeah, let's get rid of the, the juvenile detention center. And let's give them fucking little toys to play well, with. Look, look, Great in theory. Look, yeah, I what, want kids to be happy. Well, we have our own uh, bail reform. Remember, uh, like a couple months ago, yeah, someone, some asshole got released uh, based on the yeah. bail reform. And what did he do? He fucking killed a woman. You know, it's no like big. it's like yeah, because no because because yeah, bail reform works. It's like know? it's like almost trying to teach a civilian what it's like to go into combat by having them read stories about it. Yeah. They just don't get it. No, and it's you, you will never, no matter how many movies, how many books, how many 
and correct me if I'm wrong, Dex, like no matter how much, even put yourself in a fucking virtual reality fucking room, you will never, ever replicate what it's like to be at war. You're not going to get that chemical dump. You will not, ever. And ever. Every time I hear somebody say, oh, I understand what you want, you fucking you have don't. no idea. Don't give me that bullshit. You know, like, oh, I understand. I this. Even even as cops, you see these, some, sometimes I go to these meetings uh, because of my unit and, and you, you, you overhear these uh, academia types and you're, you're just looking at them like, no, that's not the way it works on the fucking ground. <laughs> you know, I, I was, Sounds I was good in theory. I was well, exactly, yeah. I was, I was at somewhat of a meeting. It was like a police thing and. Again, one of these people that's been on for four or five years that's super smart, super educated, super this and that, and they're talking about, you know, the stresses and all yeah, that yeah. stuff. And I'm thinking, looking at this person, and I'm like, motherfucker, do you know what that sound is like when you hear the fucking round go over your head? <laughs> Have you ever? Yeah. Because yeah. that would change your opinion really fucking quickly. And it, it brings me to the point of the when uh, George Floyd died. Yeah. Okay? Regardless of what had happened or what our opinions may be, I remember I live... We live in the same town. We live in a decent town, right? Yeah, yeah. Next door, there's a really affluent community. Yeah. And I remember driving by, and it was a, a Starbucks. Oh, of course. Coincidentally. Yeah. And I'm sitting there at a traffic light. Dex, you're going to love this. I'm sitting there at a traffic light, and this beautiful fucking Range Rover that's like 230. Oh, I, you told me about I, it. I told yeah, you the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You told Yep. $230,000 fucking yo, Range yo, Rover. He called me like not even two minutes later. Yeah. He's like, yo, what the fuck? Yeah, go. So <laughs> she parks this beautiful fucking Range Rover, right? This gorgeous woman comes out of it. Like I was blinded by the fucking bling that was all over her. <laughs> Diamonds and fucking probably in her eyes, right? She comes out of it and she picks up a sign that's talking about fucking I can't breathe and uh, equity uh. with the black community and this and that. And I wanted to put my window down. I wanted to grabber i want to put my window down and be like how the fuck do you know about fucking injustice please i want to sit here and listen about how you know about injustice yeah let it, me tell you how you need to be offended sir yeah well, well, that's the thing like I, I i laugh my ass off when i when i see white people out there with all the banners and all that shit and i'm like how the fuck do you know about the struggles let me ask you guys a question does this shit happen in the fucking hood are these people going into the fucking oh, hood? Fuck Never, no. dude. They don't cross over Ninth Street. I've been saying that. I was like, they protested downtown. Right, dude. I swear. I was. They were sitting there yelling at me one day. And they were like, yeah, we love the hood. I was like, I ain't never seen you really west of Ninth Street in that one damn First time. First of all, if you do, you got a whole escort. Yeah. Go into the hood and see how much you fucking love it after that. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. That lady would drive into the hood and probably lock her doors. Give me oh, a fucking dude, break, oh, lady. Oh, yeah. yeah. guaranteed. <laughs> yeah. No, it was so weird. Uh, <clears throat> during the protest, it was, so it was right after all the Breonna Taylor stuff. And they were still downtown. They started doing the caravans with the cars. So I remember we stopped this car. We got surrounded. Was like, now nah, we writing this ticket. So my homeboy gets me the girl's driver's license and I accidentally kept it. And so I was like, man, the next day I was like, I'm going to drop this out to our house. Man, I drive out. I'm driving further out. And then these, I'm going to this million dollar home. <laughs> I was like, you raggedy bitch. You, yeah, exactly, <laughs> you got exactly. this nice ass house down exactly, here. Exactly. Exactly. I was like, man, I went, I knocked on the door. Nobody answered. Yeah. They were like, there's, there's a black man at the door. Man. Exactly. There's a black what? <laughs> What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. They're all they're all full of shit. What do we hire it's, you to do? Yeah, they're 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 all full of shit. They're just it's just the, uh, you everybody know, wants to be a part of something. Exactly. Well, and this is the next biggest thing. That dude, I was just reading a book the other day. This guy Joe Fair here in Kentucky. He was a Vietnam veteran. Mm-hmm. So after Vietnam in nineteen sixty nine or seventy, he comes home and he was working the riots in D.C. Mm-hmm. And I was listening to it and I was like. This sounds eerily familiar, yes. just like what we all just went through the last few years. Yeah. So funny how history repeats itself. We were talking about that with your father-in-law? Yeah. Uh, yeah, right. Vietnam, oh, Vietnam We had Bay. it at uh, yeah. the, the show that we did in Clary's. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he said the exact same thing. It was yeah. the whole baby killer fucking aspect of how soldiers were coming off uh, off of the uh, the airplanes and getting labeled. We're seeing the exact same so, fucking so, thing. Well, so here's the thing. So I wrote an article, right? I wrote an article uh, for Heavy Eternal, uh, I think it was last year. Um, I, I, it was called 
law enforcement treatment eerily resembles Vietnam War era veterans. Ooh, yeah. You know, and 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 a lot of readers when they read it, uh, and even the 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 owner of a Havoc Journal and and the editor. They were like, we never thought of it. Though. I was like, holy fuck. Like, to I them, it was a mind, well, mind-blowing, right? I mean, because here's the thing. I took two pictures, right? <laughs> Vietnam War uh, protesters, and then you had the soldiers on the other side. It was two legitimate pictures. And, dude, the same exact same fucking exactly. look. It was it was amazing. Uh, uh, I mean, well, look it up. Uh, you'll see the picture I'm talking about. Because I what I did, I, 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 I cropped it, and uh, that way I can fit both pictures together. And it literally looked like both protesters and the, the veterans and, and, and cops. Uh, and, and you're like, dude, that's the same fucking thing. Like, same exact picture, two different eras. And, and it's, 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 it's very telling because when Vietnam War veterans came home, you know, like my father-in-law said, he kept his head down. Yeah. He wouldn't say that yeah. he's a veteran. He would like, because when people found out he was a veteran, they would, they would throw him out of the bus. They'll spit on him, throw him out of restaurants. Wow. Think about now these days being a cop. Can you uh, really risk telling, like, even showing up in uniform to a restaurant to grab your food? Well, you better not go through a damn drive-through in your car. Good God, you better, yeah, is, you better. Yo, not. every time I see a fucking cut, like one of our officers go through, I'm like, are you out of your fucking? What's wrong mind? with you? Yeah, I'm like, unless I can see them making my food, though. yeah, right. <laughs> Get the sperm count up. Right? Yeah. Holy <laughs> shit. You want some enzymes with that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, man, until, unless I'm seeing my fucking food being made. Yeah. No, no man. No. I'm nope. good. But, oh, my God. I just wonder that. I, I, I've always told my buddies, like, man, I wonder how much people's DNA I've swallowed. Unknowingly. <laughs> 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 Hey, you're getting Pete to dry heave, all right? Let's 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 let's, let's go easy. Let's change the subject. <laughs> hey, so uh, he's about the Texas therapist. I know. Right, right. <laughs> uh, hey, here's my therapist. Yeah, Doctor Miguel. There you go. <laughs> Running low. Oh, oh, yeah, right? What the fuck? I'm so, still not drinking. So, uh, so you need a Zoa. I know, right? You need a Zoa. Uh, very important topic, actually. We haven't hit yet. Uh, probably the most important part of tonight, not just your book and the podcast, but being in the Tenth Mountain and the history behind that, and uh, how what was like a Fort Drum. We know the stories. Oh man! You, uh, first, you were. When did you uh, uh, immediately after basic? You got assigned to Tenth Mountain. I did. So I got married right after boot camp. The typical, oh, you know, we're going to be together forever. Yeah, yo, <laughs> I, passed up, wanted, I passed up going to ranger school. Yo, to she, wanted, oh. she wanted the dependent uh, uh, status with the benefits. <laughs> and oh, hey, she shit. deserved it, man. She was a banger back in the day, man. She, <laughs> <laughs> I had the yo, baddest girl in my yo, arm in school, you did man. all the cliche she the shit, yo. She was in high school with me. Oh, dude, no, yo, you did, the, you did the cliche shit, man. <laughs> I did, bro. I did, man. Oh. But, you know, it's so weird. So after I got divorced and went back to uh, Fort Drum after getting out of Walter Reed and I was single. See, a lot of people see the mountain tab, but they don't really know the true meaning of the 10th Mountain Division mountain tab. So in the 10th Mountain, we say you got to earn your mountain tab. And they say the only way to earn your mountain tab, you got to go find a, a large Watertown chicken melon. <laughs> <laughs> that is. <laughs> so, but, you know, this is so funny. So, you know, we have 10th Mountain Division. Yeah. In Fort Drum, but we also they also have a brigade down in uh, Louisiana at Fort Polk. Yep. And I can always tell the Polk guys versus the uh, <laughs> New York guys because I'm like, uh, when I was down on the border in the Border Patrol, the 10th Mountain Brigade from Fort Polk was down there with us. I saw him and I walk up to him like, hey, bro, you got your mountain tab, dog? <laughs> yeah, I got my mountain tab. <laughs> no, do you have your mountain tab? I don't understand what you're saying. Talking about. <laughs> I yeah, was like, yeah, yeah Polk. you're from Polk. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, so <laughs> my, I mean, my, my first experience going to Fort Drum uh, and see all the guys in the barracks fucking getting ready to go out. I'm like, what is there to do out here? Like, we're in the middle of fucking nowhere. What year were you there? Uh, oh, I was there. Uh, so I was in, I was in the guard. So it was the guard unit that would go over and train uh, every year for our FD, uh, AT. So it was like a month or two AT we do at Fort Drum. So we drive from Massachusetts to New York, Fort Drum. And during the ride, I'm like, dude, there's nothing out here. There's, it's fucking empty. So get to the base and we fucking download, getting ready to go out. And the guys are like, oh, you have a, oh, you, hey, you're in, the, you're in for a treat. 
we're, we're, we're going to Watertown. That's the place to be. I'm like, okay. Yeah, like, I had no idea what I expected, right? And part of me was like, these guys are fucking with me right now. So the first bar we walk into, I kid you not, it must have weighed six and a half tons in there. <laughs> and was it Peter Mug, yeah. poor Richards, yeah. club stages. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Holy <laughs> shit! I, I walk in. I'm like, oh my god, that is some meat going on here. And uh, and yo, we're totally getting canceled after this. <laughs> but but I was like, God. Damn, I've never seen like, you know, <laughs> that big size in one room. And, uh, you know, here I am, a young fucking 20 year old, you know, like. And they all turn around and they're like, <laughs> oh, pretty much. This way. Yo, they know when soldiers show up, right? They know when the new batch of soldiers show up. Betty, all, Betty, the meat's here. Oh, yeah, the new meat. <laughs> Yo, I, I'll never forget. I fucking one, one, one of the one of them came up to me, and I, I've, the only thing I could say, please don't eat me. <laughs> she fucking, she starts sniffing you. Oh yeah, please don't eat me. Man, oh. I remember I had beer goggles one night, man. Ooh. I was I was ten sheets to the wind. My homeboy. And we were at, uh, I think we were at, we called it Poor Richards, what we call it. It's definitely not what it was called. Girl, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was talking to this girl. I was like, man, she's gorgeous. And my homeboy kept pulling me. I was like, hey man, stop. I got this. And the next thing he pulls me out the club, puts me in the cab. I wake up the next morning. Then we're out, and this girl comes up, starts talking to me out in town in Watertown. And I don't remember her. He was like, that's the girl from last night. I was like, no, it's not. <laughs> he was like, yes. I was like, man, thank, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I'll tell people, man, you know, I, dude, you just, when you're a young soldier, oh, man, a single, like, you just, oh, I don't I'm a different man now. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, yo. You have standards yo, now. No, no, no. Hey, young, young 20-year-old me. We oh get obliterated God. to 0500. We know 06. Oh. We need to be out there for PT. So we oh, get the medics, man. hook us up with IVs. Good to go. Run our fucking PT. Good to go. We're all good. Savages. Now, now if I fucking do what I used to do back in my 20s, I'd be dead. You'd be dead. <laughs> I'd be oh, dead. Oh, dude. So when I, I went to Austin, Texas uh, about a month ago. So I went to go be on the Drinking Bros podcast to promote my book. Oh, and cool. my homeboys from the Border Patrol came with me. Oh, nice. So we went so hard. <laughs> I thought I died. <laughs> and my homeboy, he's a Marine. Like, I don't know what happened to him, but he disappeared. <laughs> and, then, and then my phone keeps ringing. We, I got back to our, my, my, our hotel at like 3.30. And man, we're like, where's your honey? I was like, I don't know, man. I drank my, I drunk, walked my drunk ass over to the 7-Eleven. I got like a bunch of electric light drinks and took a bunch of Tylenol because I knew what was coming. Yeah. The next thing you know, he comes in the room, he lays in the bed. And I, it's like, I could hear him gurgling in the alcohol in his throat. Like, <laughs> I was like, yo, check on, make sure he's alive. <laughs> and so, he's uh, taking his pulse. <laughs> yeah. I got him to go to the bathroom. Next time I go back to my bed, he's moved to my spot. And I'm like, son of a gun. <laughs> so, and then it was, even better was when he started waking up the next morning, he looks over, he's like, I think I have COVID. <laughs> and lo and behold, we literally all had COVID. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Dude. Yo, it was so wild, man. I was like, man, I was like, y'all, they're going to come with me, I think, to when I go to San Antonio for Black Rifle Coffee okay. in March. Yo, so I was like, listen, we can't do this. I told them, I love y'all, but I'm glad we do not live in the same town again. Yeah, oh, fucking I, dead my God. liver and my body could not take it, man. So, so um, a group of guys came up here from uh, Fort Bragg uh, a couple months ago. And great fucking dudes, uh, and and we went to. He, they wanted to go to a cops bar, like they. That's all they wanted to do. I was like you, we heard Boston's got some of the best cop bars. I'm like, okay, yeah, I could take you to one, and the one I take, which every cop knows, JJ Foley. Yeah, everybody knows that fucking. Every cop knows because at some point. It's only cops in there. At some point, it's all cops wearing baseball jerseys. Exactly. Baseball jerseys are still in uniform. You know, they're wearing baseball jerseys and drinking up a storm. So we head over there. I, I know the old man, fucking good people. It's, it's a family-owned business, fucking law enforcement, military-friendly, awesome, awesome group. So we go in there, and the Jamesons start flowing. 
Oh yeah, and beers, Jamesons, and then the owners, the owner will come by, and be like, "Hey, on the house, boys," and I'm like, "Oh, this is not gonna end well." Yo, I didn't get home till six in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> so the next, so I, and what's funny is, two hours later, I had to meet up with them for training, and I meet up with them. I'm like, "Yo." No, I'm going to die. <laughs> Yo, I, I think I'm still drunk. I still, I slept in my car. Like I, I couldn't even drive. Like I slept in my car. Should have set I, up IVs, dude. Oh, well, I wish, I wish we had IVs. <laughs> I slept, I stayed literally right outside in my truck and just fell asleep. Uh -oh, freezing up. Yep. Oh, are you still there? <laughs> you there? There it is. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think we just got canceled. Uh, yeah. I know. I know. The bandwidth. They're like, yeah, no, no, no. These guys are, well, yep, no, we can't. We can't. But, uh, but, oh, man, it was, it was quite the night. But anyways, hey, what an awesome Yeah, dude. Show. Oh, awesome man, this has dude, been great, yo. man. Y'all, man, y'all have some wonderful content, man. Thank y'all for what y'all do. Oh. Like I said, what? Which, I don't I remember which one of y'all were, uh, the ambush episode I was listening to in my car parked in my spot. And I was like, man, one of y'all took your vest off and you was chilling. Was I was like, you know what? Him. That was him. I was like, I don't feel so bad now. No, these guys are badass. They had a moment. Yeah, <laughs> hey, like, dude. That's the one thing. I'm When Iman told me he wanted to do the podcast, right? The thing I said to him, and we both agreed immediately, was we're not going to hold back. We're going to talk about everything. No PC, all the good things we do, and all the fucking stupid things we do. You know? And that's why, that's why we love having people like you on, because you're real. You're not PC. You're not bullshit. And we want to tell people, listen to your podcast too. We have no problem with people listening to your podcast. Get yeah, the book. How, how do people get your book, by the way? So if you want to uh, get a copy of the book, you can go to IMPits.com. That's my website. You can get it on Amazon. And I tell people, if you want an autographed copy, send me an email at IMPits.com. Or excuse me, IMPits at Yahoo.com. And I'll tell you how to uh, get a signed autographed copy from me. So, but other than that, that's it, man. Uh, can we, pretty can simple. we, can we put a link up on our website? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll send it unless, or, got, or, or if you have the link, you want to email it to me. Yeah. And, then yeah. We'll, we'll and do so it. there's no pictures in the book. Everybody's I want pictures. I want pictures. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I am a cop. I can't afford pictures. In the book. <laughs> okay. So, so and what plus, I've done hey, is and, and say you're not a Marine. You're yeah. not a Marine. You don't need a color right. book. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, don't they eat their crayons? <laughs> Oh, <laughs> Tex, thanks so much, man. Yeah, thanks for coming out. Yeah, stick around, I, stick yeah. around for the next two minutes, okay? Guys, Project Sapient with another awesome, awesome, awesome guest, man. I'm in good job bringing this guy on, man. Mm -hmm. Want to say thanks to our supporters. First of all, check out our website, projectsapient.org. Email us, projectsapient2020 at gmail.com. Thanks to our supporters, DCD Automotive, Till Valhalla, AAA Police Supply, Havoc Journal, our partners at the Profiles at Havoc Podcast, Second Mission, Live Boston, OD Kit, Eagle Eye Firearms. God, we have a lot of supporters. Yeah. Gun Track, Fit Cops, 22 Mohawks, and Joint Operations. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. We love you. Stay safe. Stay sapient.